Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn podcast. My name is Noble, and I'm joined here, as always, with my co-host, Wheeler. And today, we are going to kind of break down everything that's happening in Auburn sports right now. We're going to start with everything that everybody wants to know. We're going to start with the Auburn football coaching search. So, you know, Auburn football fired their head coach, Gus Malzahn, on Sunday. And there's been a lot of backlash. There's been a lot of people that are happy, a lot of people that are sad, a lot of rumors going around. So I'm just going to start it off with Wheeler. I'm going to ask what your opinion was. Were you surprised that he got fired? What were your initial thoughts when you heard the news that Gus Malzahn would not be coaching at Auburn anymore? All I feel is pain. (laughs) This entire situation has been a train wreck, Noble. An absolute train wreck. I feel like every single prediction that people have said and every time somebody has been like, you don't do this without having a plan. You don't spend $21.5 million without a plan. Guess what, guys? We did. (laughs) Well, maybe. Uh, It seems like from the outsider perspective, it seems like Auburn had no plan. From the insider sources, you know, being leaked on message boards and Twitter and everything, it sounds like there were two different plans, and both sides could only agree on firing Gus, and they should not have fired Gus until they came to an agreement on which plan they were going to take. Um, because right now we, one, just look stupid and two, have no good prospects. So, yeah. So, so what I've been, a lot of what I've been seeing is that the initial plan was to hire Mario Cristobal. That was what, you know, the majority of people were thinking, okay, we're going to fire Gus. We're going to hire Cristobal. And then, and this is the one camp. I feel like this is the athletic department slash official, like, Alan Alan Green, Jay Gouge, like, Mm -hmm. the people who look like they're making the decisions. Exactly. They're the ones that are thinking, you know, we want Mario Cristobal. They like his recruiting. They like what he's been doing at Oregon. They like him as a coach, and they don't really – and, you know, he's a charismatic guy. You know, Oregon fans – Great recruiter. Oregon staff loves him. Great recruiter, all that. But the issue is nobody really knows him personally. That is what the boosters are kind of kind of mad about. But the thing was, Mario Cristobal was the guy that they wanted. And from what I've heard a lot of is that Mario Cristobal was really interested in the job, but then the whole thing just got thrown away when Washington had some COVID problems in their program and they were not able to play in the Pac-12 championship and that put Oregon in there. So then Cristobal said that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to talk to all the people and all that about a new job because he was focused on his team in the now and winning the Pac-12 championship like a good coach would. And that kind of gave Oregon's 
administration time to kind of get the extension talks to the forefront and get that extension done. And he ended up signing that today. Uh, he extended himself to get a $4.8 million a year salary, which is nothing in the S. I mean, that, that, that's, I, mean, I think that was somewhat around what Will Muschamp was making. And like, I mean, come on, like Will Muschamp's one of the worst coaches in the SEC or he was back was. when he was coaching. But the thing was, it was just like, I think that, you know, Auburn offered Cristobal, and I think that – I personally think that Mario Cristobal would be Auburn's head coach had Oregon not been playing in the Pac-12 championship. That's just my opinion. Uh, but from a lot of what I've been hearing, the the big-time donors are not wanting Cristobal. They're more in the Kevin Steele camp. And so here we have the one side, and then there's the other side that is, again, internet rumors may or may not uh, be true, but much more fun to talk about on a podcast. Exactly. And that is the fact that basically Kevin Steele has been running a coup (laughs) with the big-time donors for the past three years to get Gus got. Now, on the surface, this seems very, very fishy. But when you really think about it, Back before the 2017 season, Gus, very much on the hot seat. People are thinking, man's going to get fired. You know who would be great? Kevin Steele. Oh, Kevin Steele would be great. He's he's changed our defense, all this stuff. All these people would love Kevin Steele. <sighs> no. Now everybody doesn't want Kevin Steele. But the boosters love Kevin Steele. Um, basically, it seems like the boosters really want access to the program. They want to have a personal relationship with the coach. It seems like they want to be able to call the coach up and talk X's and O's and why aren't you playing this guy and all this stuff. And Gus was not that guy. And that is why Gus got canned. Unfortunately, um, I personally was not a huge fan of Gus at the end. Um, But also I'm not a huge fan of the train wreck that we have developed here. And I think that, there definitely should have been a plan, but it definitely, I mean, it, it seems logical that the big boosters basically love Kevin, have a personal relationship with him. Um, and it kind of follows the trend. I mean, you see where the boosters do this, where, I mean, Tommy Tuberville head coach gets fired. We bring in his former defensive coordinator, Gene Chizik head coach gets fired. We bring in his former offensive coordinator, now Gus gets fired. We're bringing in as defensive coordinator. It's kind of just like it's guys that were around the program and basically whoever the boosters liked when they were at the program. So, you know, advice to future coordinators at Auburn, go talk to the boosters because you might be the next head coach when we eventually fire this guy. Yeah, but, you know, on the other hand, though, like you, you think, you know, okay, hiring Chizik at the time was like, okay, what are we doing this is crazy. You know, obviously the airport Terrible the idea. airport heckler had the same opinion. Five and 19. Exactly. But it was just like, but at the same time, you know, Auburn won a national championship under Gene Chizik. And I know that, you know, I personally think Cam Newton was that, was the guy who did that. But still, we hired him and we won a national championship. So that that's on his resume. You know, it, it's on his resume. He's got the banner hung. That's Cam the- Newton took a seven-win Auburn team and made them national champions. Without Cam Newton, without Cam Newton, that is a seven-win team. 
if you put Jared Stidham on that team, they win six or seven games. I agree. But at the same time, it's there. It's on his record. You know, we hired Gene Chizik and we won a national championship. That's there. So, and then we hire Gus Malzahn after Gene Chizik gets fired for being bad. We hire Gus Malzahn. We go to a national championship the first year. And that was Gus. Like, there was. That was Gus. So, yeah, it's like, okay, well, they're just hiring, you know, whoever. They're just hiring people who are in the program. But the thing is, it's worked out. Like, for the most part, like, it, it, the good things have happened when we, do, when we make that hire. I don't know if Kevin Steele will be that guy, but I do think that a lot of Auburn fans are mad at the, quote, unoriginality of finding a coach. But the truth is, I don't know how many coaches that we realistically could have hired after the 2012 train wreck that would have put Auburn winning the SEC and playing in the national championship against one of the most talented teams ever assembled in college football that year, you know? I agree. And I will say, I am more on the Kevin Steele train this afternoon than I was yesterday afternoon. When there was the possibility of Hugh Freeze or Mario Cristobal, those both sounded really appealing to me. Obviously, uh, Mario just signed his new extension, so he's not coming to Auburn. And then Hugh Freeze got in Clay Travis's mentions and tweeted at some Auburn fan who said, we don't want Hugh Freeze, and he said, good. So he hadn't come into Auburn either. But the word on the street was he wasn't cleared with the SEC anyway, so that might be part of his saltiness. Um, so that got those two away. Um, and now our options, I mean, come on, guys. Bill Clark, uh, we got Napier from Louisiana. They dropped the Lafayette to actually make themselves sound better. Can you imagine? That's like us hiring the ULM coach. No, we paid these teams millions of dollars to come and play at Auburn because they suck. And now we want to hire their coach? No, and then people are like, well, his name gets brought up in every coaching search. Well, yeah, he hadn't been hired by anybody. He's it's been a hot name. There's a reason why nobody's hired the guy. My personal opinion is I think that Napier and Clark are both good coaches, but I don't think they're ready for a job like Auburn yet. No. I think that, you know, I, I think, yeah, promote them. I think that there are a lot of jobs that, you know, are looking for a coach. South but Auburn's Carolina. trying to compete for national championships, and I think it's a difficult to take a risk on a guy whose toughest test each season is playing Coastal Carolina, you know? Like, it, it's just kind of a, you know, kind of a, a problem that I have. Uh, a lot of names that have also been brought up, especially recently, ever since Cristobal signed the extension, a lot of people have been talking about Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator. Uh, a lot of people – are kind of bringing that name up. People have been bringing up Brent Venable's name up for a long time. But Here's the thing. thing. If we're going to hire a coordinator, why would we not just hire Steele, who already knows the players? I and I, Okay, I am, I'm on the Steele train now. Okay, I'm, fr I'm frustrated with the way they've handled this, but I was texting you yesterday, Noble, mm -hmm. some stats about Steele. So everybody obviously throws out the record that he had as a head coach. There's no defending the record. It's, it's bad. It's real bad. But ever the optimist, I have a defense for it. Many people now think of Baylor as the Art Bryles RG3 Baylor that is decent, goes to championships, uh, has coaches hired away to the NFL. 
Baylor 20 years ago was epically bad. Kevin Steele took over for a coach who won one football game in four years. That's terrible. He had less than a, like, he had a .0, like, .01 winning percentage. He, they were abysmal. They were the laughing, they're horrible. Remember when we were talking about Alcorn State before COVID and I just kept saying, terrible. That terrible. was Baylor. That was Baylor. That was Baylor. Steele comes in, wins eight games, still not great, eight times as many. So there you go. That's better. And then gets fired, you know, wins one conference game. I could see where he would get fired. The next guy that comes in only wins 18 games in four years. So it's not like Steele, he didn't tank the program. He made the program better. But everybody points to that record, and I'm like, that job and the Auburn job are different. The guy might be really good at coaching and not great at building a program. And Auburn doesn't need the program to be built per se. I mean, you just have to manage it and try. I mean, obviously he's a pretty good recruiter. He's brought in a lot of defensive guys. He held the class together yesterday. I mean, I think we only had one guy coming into the day that was committed to us that ended up flipping to another school Everybody else either signed or pushed back there, signing to the next signing day. I take that as a win. Um, and, I mean, he said in his press conference that he told all the guys, you know, we're going to have some fun today. And they flipped a couple guys, and then the guys, you know, <laughs> had their senses brought back to them. Their parents probably slapped him upside the head and said, absolutely not. But I think if he was the head coach, he might have actually flipped those guys. Yeah. Um, people bring his age up as a problem at 62. I don't know if you've watched the locker room speeches. That guy's got some fire. I mean, well, he's yeah, and serious I, fire. And Bruce is 60. Nobody's saying, oh, Bruce is going to retire in two years. He's too old. Nick Saban's eight years older. Like, I mean, like, you yeah. can – yeah. The, the got, age doesn't bother me at all. No, he's got plenty of fire. He would only be 70 when he gets fired if he was as good as guys. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I was talking to someone else about this. We, we were talking about how Auburn coaches usually end up falling apart after about eight to ten years. And if you look back, I mean, pretty much every coach at about eight to ten, they're gone, unless your name is Suge Jordan, which I don't I don't think Kevin Steele's going to be here for 20-plus years. I just don't see that one happening. But that's the thing, you know, it, I do think that – What team has a coach for longer than eight to ten years, though? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the age is really a factor at all. But the thing is, it's like Bo Jackson is on the search committee, and from everything I've heard, Bo Jackson is on Team Steel. And that kind of – that helps me a little bit, that it's not just the people that want to be buddy-buddy with the coach and want to do all that. There's actually someone who knows football, who played football, who loves Auburn, who is – wanting Kevin Steele and Bo Jackson isn't like Charles Barkley like Charles Barkley loves being all he likes to be you know all involved and all that and shown everywhere Bo's not like that Bo's more of a low-key guy so I think that Bo that Bo the fact that Bo Jackson wants Kevin Steele does make me think a little bit that Bo Jackson you know might have some some faith that deserves to be there Uh, and Kevin Steele is known as a player's coach I mean he knows lots of the play I mean you see, his players love him. Um, I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's a good player's coach. I'm really – the more I think about it, the more the Kevin Steele thing sounds appealing to me. 
But what does not sound appealing to me is having something trend nationally on Twitter with the hashtag stop steal. That's just ridiculous. You don't even know if he's a good hire or not. He's still employed by Auburn. I'm yeah, like, well, the- are you going to be excited if Bill Clark gets hired? Because I'm going to be disappointed. If Bill Clark or Billy Napier gets hired, or uh, and Brent Venables is not going anywhere, okay? Yeah, Can we just accept it? The guy is coaching defense at Clemson forever. He's not coming here. Now, if you wanted to go and get the Indiana coach or Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, someone that's like actually a proven head coach, maybe that excites me. But if we're going down to Conference USA, I would rather just have Kevin Steele. The thing, one, I, I totally agree with you. The, the quote, hashtag stop steal, that's just ridiculous. That's, that's absurd, especially because every single person who is tweeting the hashtag stop steal wants him to be the defensive coordinator. It's not like it's Todd Grantham over at Florida possibly becoming a head coach and everybody's mad. They don't even want him as the D.C. Like, no, everybody wants Kevin Steele to stay on the coaching staff. They just don't want him as the head coach. It's ridiculous that you're trying to use a hashtag and just doing all that. I, and I just, a bunch of the tweets are people that don't know and they think they're saying stop the steal talking about the election. So it's a very convenient hashtag because it can really get some traction on Twitter because it fires people up about football and politics. Yeah, it's just – I don't know, man. It's I just don't really – I don't like that whole – the whole stop steal campaign. And I can't imagine the players are – too happy about it either because you know a lot of the thing is a lot of players you know uh, I, I know Daniel Thomas he he commented under some Instagram post and he said that you know Gus would always be his coach you know whatever which I, I didn't really get a whole lot because you know it, the, the fact when it was like an NFL players like oh he'll, he'll always be my coach well it's like well but if we hired a different head coach, like he wouldn't be your coach anyway. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was kind of confused me. But for Jamie and Sherwood also replied to that comment and, and kind of agreed with them. So I think that some players, you know, all the players, you know, a lot of players loved Gus. That's not, that's not really surprising. We all kind of knew that. And we all, it became vastly apparent on Sunday afternoon uh, on Twitter and Instagram but I feel like a lot of the players wouldn't be mad if Kevin Steele was hired because there's this, especially the defensive players. Cause if you, I mean, if you look closely at a lot of the tweets, a lot of them were defensive players. And if it was an offensive player, the people that were really, really broken about it were the offensive line. So I think it was interesting that not many skill players really voiced their opinion on Gus getting fired. I think that was something to note. And but Gus a lot of did not do a lot of work with the offensive line during practice or exactly. Like yeah. Exactly. But a lot of the defensive players are going to be ha- – they're not going to be mad that Kevin Steele got hired, you know? Like, Kevin Steele was bigger in recruiting them than Gus Malzahn was. He coaches them a lot more often than Gus does. The, the defense is going to be fine if Kevin Steele gets hired. So, I think that it's not a bad hire, but if they did make the hire, it should have been instantly. Like, if you fire Gus, one, if you pay $21 million to fire your coach just to promote your defensive coordinator, it's a little odd. But the thing is, if they're going to wait until after early signing day, that's not good. Like, Terrence Lewis, I think Terrence Lewis still would have came to Auburn if Kevin Steele had, was locked in. He's the head coach, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like the fact that you, you fired a coach two days before early signing day 
and then you're not going to hire a coach, that's fine. If you're not going to hire a coach, that's fine. But don't hire someone who you could have easily hired that day. You know, that's why I feel like it's just kind of that's why we're becoming the laughing stock is because everyone's just laughing because they're like, these guys at Auburn, they don't know what they're doing. No, they have and, you know, we're all talking, you know, we're all talking on social media and all that. And you can, you know, there are all these rumors going around. The athletic department is just in shambles right now. They don't know what's going on. Like no. people are saying, oh, Billy Napier's high on the list. Urban Meyer's buying houses everywhere. Tony Elliott is over here. People are flying. Urban Meyer buys a house to Tom every Allen. time there's a coaching vacancy. Every time yeah, exactly. has a headache, he buys a house in Auburn. Exactly. And it's just like there's so much going on. And it's just like, y'all. Just calm down. Like there's so many rumors going around. I think that it's just it's just crazy. But now what do you think Anthony happening. Schwartz tweet saying, I know who I want is? Do you think that's saying that he wants steel? Dude, I don't know because he, Anthony Schwartz also tweeted out, you know, when there was a ton like a bunch of people started saying that, oh, you know, it looks like Anthony's going to the draft, whatever, due to his Instagram post. It was a uh, it was a video, a little hype video, whatever. His caption was, "I'm ready for what's next." And if you look in the comment section, there are some players that are saying, like specifically, Xavion Caper said, "Gonna miss you, fam." So that usually means, okay, he's leaving. He's going somewhere. So most people assumed he was going to the NFL. And then he tweets out that uh, he he tweeted out and he said that. People know him more than he knows himself now, apparently. Something like that. Something snooty. It was just like, I don't even know, man. Anthony Schwartz, his his Twitter is very difficult to read. And when he posted the dominoes falling after the Iron Bowl, it was just like, I think the guy just likes stirring stuff up on Twitter, personally. But that's beside the point. Yeah. But... That so is kind your of, final. Let's say do final predictions as of today, Thursday, December seventeenth at five o two p.m. My prediction as of right now is Kevin Steele. Yep, I'm gonna go Kevin Steele as well. However, I think the pressure to hire someone else is mounting with every day that passes by. Well, and another thing, you know, I, I feel like we would be we would be. Uh, it wouldn't be good if we didn't mention this because a lot of people started saying this. I haven't heard anything that was like from someone who has been reliable in the past talking about this per se, but a lot of people have been talking about Lane Kiffin. And I don't think there's any real traction there. I don't understand why Kiffin would leave Ole Miss. Like, yes, Auburn is a, is a better program, but Ole Miss is still in the SEC. You're still competing against Saban every year. And let's just be honest, y'all. Lane Kiffin fits Ole Miss just so well. Just the Joey Freshwater being in a place like Ole Miss, it just it fits so much more than Auburn. And Him I just tweeting don't... laughy faces at Mississippi State failing. Can you imagine if he did that to Saban in Alabama? It would not be good. It would not be good. He would just get beat down. Well, I feel like you know Auburn usually likes to hire a a class act, you know. Like, Gus Malzahn's never going to do that on Twitter. Gene Chizik never would have done that on Twitter. Bruce Pearl, as much as, you know, he'll he'll say a lot, he's always respectful to the other team, and he's never going to say – these guys – Auburn doesn't like hiring people that are going to get fined more than once a season in a press conference and, like, stuff that they do on Twitter. It's just – Lane Kiffin is just such a – just such a – 
Yeah, he just does not fit Auburn at all. I don't think Auburn would hire him. I just really don't see that personally. I know that a lot of people want him. I do not see Lane Kiffin Absolutely being hired not. at Auburn University. Terrible idea. Great. But I think we've, he would make Bo Nix great. He would. I think there are a couple options that would make Bo Nix great that Auburn is not looking at. I don't know if Kevin Steele is one of them, though. So, well, and another thing that's interesting oh, the is the question is, does Kevin keep Chad Morris? Because exactly. Chad Morris, we're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah, I do think it'll be interesting to see what Kevin Steele does, you know, if he is hired, what he'll do with the staff and who he wants to keep and who he doesn't. Um, for those people that – I know that some people have said that Kevin Steele and Travis Williams don't get along. That is absolutely incorrect. I know for a fact – they get along really well. They're good friends. That's fine. So I definitely think Travis Williams will stay. He won't get fired. The only way he leaves is if he gets maybe like a defensive coordinator job somewhere Do you think else he right gets now. The defensive coordinator job or Rodney Garner gets the defensive coordinator job. It depends on who wants it more. Because the thing is, like, I don't think, like, I think Rodney has been offered a defensive coordinator job fairly recently, you know? Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I think – I personally think we'll keep the staff, but I think Travis Williams would be – I think that Travis Williams might be a better bet to make the defensive coordinator because he – I feel like Travis has more ambitious goals with coaching in his life right now. Like, I feel like Rodney's a little bit more content with just being the defensive line coach, living in Auburn, and doing that. Whereas I think Travis Williams eventually wants to get into – you know, big time coaching. And I think that this would be a good step for him. I'd be happy with either one. I think both are great at their jobs. Both are great recruiters. I think that'd be great. Um, I think that for the most part, Steele will keep the defensive staff together. You know, now I do I think, think it'll be a reason to change him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, when, for the most part, it's his staff. Like Malzahn always said, he doesn't deal with defense. He always said that he has kind of made Steele the head coach of the defense and he's the head coach of the offense. So they don't really – they didn't really cross over a whole lot from what I've heard. So I think Kevin Steele will keep the defensive staff together. I think the only reason we lose one of them is if they leave by choice. I don't think we force anybody out. Um, but I will be interested to see what he does with the offensive staff. Because um, right now you've got the offensive line coach and Jack Bicknell – who I think has done a fairly good job with developing the offensive line. I think our offensive line has gotten better as the year went on, but it did get a little messed up with the injuries. Uh, but the biggest problem with Vic Nell that's hurting him right now is that he's lost three offensive line commitments in this class. And that's tough, you know? I mean, that's it's difficult to spend. I mean, he, he did a great job. He got him here. But it's difficult to spend when you say – you know, I should keep my job even though I lost three offensive linemen and we're only signing one in this period. Well, it was also, I mean, the offensive-minded head coach getting fired two days before signing day does no favors at all. I agree, but the weird thing was because – so Jaden – so uh, Caleb Johnson and Jamari and Gooch had already decommitted, but Jaden Roberts said on Sunday he told Keith staying – at Auburn, he was, you know, firm with his commitment and he was going to be an Auburn Tiger. And then he decommitted the day of signing day and then received three crystal balls to Alabama. So that was a little interesting where it was like, hmm, like what changed in those two days, you know? But 
that's that's that. Uh, I think if you, you kind of dissect the rest of the offensive staff, you've got Cody Burns, who uh, he, he may have been gone even if Gus had stayed. I think a lot of fans have been wanting him gone. Uh, you got Cadillac Williams, who I think we would be absolutely insane to let go. I think that he has done a fantastic job as the running backs coach. Um, and he fits the kind of guy that Auburn wants at the job. I couldn't see us getting rid of him. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see what Steele does with the staff if he does get hired as the head coach. Yeah, and I think we may actually get to see that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But So I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of wrapped up the coaching discussion. So I think we're going to kind of move over to – a little bit of talking about some of the bowl projections that Auburn's been projected to go to uh, after Saturday's win against Mississippi State. It was kind of a kind of an ugly win. It wasn't nobody besides Tank really played that like really played really good. Uh, not really to mention, but Bo Nix had his really good run where he put that guy on skates. Yeah, Bo Nix. I, I will say, you know, Bo Nix receives a ton of hate from the Auburn fan base, and some, you know, some you can argue if it's deserved or not. But that man can run. I mean, his running ability is really solid, and I definitely think that next year we need to make him more of a focal point in the offense with running football. I think that would be that would be definitely beneficial. Uh, but a lot of bowl projections have put Auburn in the Citrus Bowl, playing a different combination of Northwestern and Indiana. So that'll be interesting. I think it'll be. I think it'll also be interesting to see how a Kevin Steele in the interim position will lead a team to a bowl, because it seems like Gus Malzahn never really did a great job of doing that. Uh, it did not. I think this is also an easier time to coach a bowl game um, Mm -hmm. because there's not as many distractions. Like you're not going to go down to the bowl and go out and party, you know, all night long because you can't, you know, like because of COVID that's not an option. So it's going to be much more of like typical like game day setup. Um, So I think that will help if we decide to go to a bowl game. I've seen a lot of schools have been, opting out of bowl season just because the season, you know, starting practice so early, um, but not, you know, it was just a weird season and lots of practice and long time and 10 regular season games. I think we will personally take a bowl game, um, but it's always a possibility that we don't. I think it's much more likely if we hire Kevin Steele that we take a bowl game than if we – get an outsider. Um, and he just wants to start fresh with his own he, season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just start, you know, working out, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think Citrus Bowl, I mean, that's just – I mean, every bowl projection has us in Citrus Bowl. I don't see us going any higher. Um, I'm grateful that we won't be in the Birmingham Bowl because that's just the sure sign of a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, – yeah, I mean, I think that the Indiana and Northwestern coaches are more attractive to me as coaching candidates than they are as bowl opponents, namely because I hate that we play a Big Ten team in a bowl game like almost every year, and we get whipped by a Big Ten team almost every year. Um, 
I much prefer when we play a team like Memphis that thinks that they're really hot stuff in the Birmingham Bowl, and we just or a team like Purdue that thought they were really hot stuff in the Music City Bowl, and we had one of the most dominant wins in bowl history. Yeah, but I also think you know to build on what you said, you know, the Minnesota game and the UCF game too, but to a bit of a lesser extent, the players didn't care. And you know, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, it's a bowl game; they should care. Yeah, yeah, they should, but they don't. Like yeah. they're spending, oh, they're spending all that time in Tampa. Players aren't getting the players. There are players that did not get back until really late at night or, or both in the morning. Yeah, and the Minnesota game. Exactly. Marlon Davidson was hurt the entire. He didn't. He didn't really practice at all in the bowl period. That's why he got. That's why he didn't really play very well. But the thing is, the players, a lot of players, like for Minnesota and UCF, both saw that bowl game as a stepping stone for their program, and that's why – I mean, they were giving it their all in those games. And the Auburn people, in, really in both years – or really more UCF, it was a consolation because they didn't make the playoff, but, oh, you get to play UCF in a bowl game. They didn't care. And then against uh, against Minnesota, it was like – them being out till 3 a.m., you know. Yeah. Well, and the whole thing, though, like with Minnesota, though, it was just like the, the, the coaches had built it up like, okay – Yes, we had a bit of a disappointing season. We had the playoff aspirations. We're not going to go to the playoffs, but, hey, we can ruin Alabama's chances of going to the playoffs. And that hyped them up because you can ruin your rival's season. That hyped them up. After they won that, they're like, okay, cool, beat Alabama. I don't care anymore. Like, yeah, we're going to Minnesota. I'm, you know, just having – I'm just going to go have a good time. We'll just go through the motions and whatever. We might win. We might lose. I don't really care. Yeah, And that showed on the field. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Kevin Steele will get his guys hyped up or if it'll be similar to the Malzahn regime where it's just like, okay, who gives a crap? It's a bowl game. I don't care. So I guess we'll, we'll see that fairly soon. But that's kind of, it's kind of everything that's going on in football right now. But basketball, basketball is kind of looking up after the, the bad, bad showing in Orlando against UCF. But, you know, wins against South Alabama, Memphis, and Texas Southern, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, I think that that's good. I think Bruce said, though, before the UCF game, obviously we got wrecked by Gonzaga. And Bruce said, you know, after that going into the UCF game, that we don't have a practice gym. We're going to have shoot-arounds, but we're not having normal practices and a lot to get stuff fixed. So, basically, we haven't learned anything going into the UCF game. So, while it does count as a loss for the season, um, which, I mean, it doesn't matter for postseason play because of our postseason ban, um, I I don't think that it was a – it was more of a they didn't have time to correct – and now that they've had some time to correct, uh, that Memphis win was really big. I mean, you think yeah. about how many recruits we compete uh, with Memphis on. Um, and they had all of their stars, you know, get cleared by the NCAA right before our game. Um, mm-hmm. So they were playing at full strength, whereas we still don't have Sharif freed. Um, I'm not thinking that Sharif is going to be freed. Um, I think Bruce wearing the number two on his shoe kind of shows that he doesn't think Sharif's going to play this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, basketball's looking up. Uh, it's going to be 
fun when we get into SEC play. I feel like this non-conference is reminding me more of – I don't want to say of the Barbie, but, like, we played some good teams in the tournament and then we played Memphis, but I feel like the rest of our non-conference games are just kind of typical non-conference easier wins and i feel like it's you know in a normal in like the past couple of years it's like we we're we're fine about those games because it's like and contrarily we're less happy about losing to ucf because it's like okay you need to win those games when it comes to march they're going to look at your resume and you need to win those games but with this one it's just kind of like well we're not going to play in march so it's like yeah it was a learning experience against ucf but for like the south this and it's fun to watch because it's more fun to watch us play a competitive game against a good team even if we're not going to march madness you know this this year for me reminds me a lot of 2016 when it was you know Daniel, jared all those guys like were true freshmen and like mustafa and all that and it was fun to watch even though we didn't make the tournament it was like okay this is this is a big step we've got good players we're going to be good next year and the next year and all of that so I think this year kind of reminds me of that. Um, but it looks like some of the players are playing too good and they're not going to be here next year. Like Justin Powell, Powell, yeah, he went from being a three- to four-year projection. Like he would be at Auburn for three or four years. And now he's – right now he's like number 35 on Bleacher Report's big board. And Alan Flanagan, I've seen drafts with him being in the second round. It's just like, okay, well, <laughs> y'all might need to chill out because next year when it's like we're – competing for a national championship, we're going to have to be replacing even more. But it really does show the lengths that Bruce has gone, and that's still going to help with recruiting when it was like, we don't take years off. Like, every year we're putting someone into the NBA. Yeah. So, Well, I don't think Allen will leave early for a second-round projection. Oh, I don't think so either. Um, But, but, uh, I mean, if Justin keeps playing – if Justin is averaging what he's averaging right now through – He's going to be a lottery pick. He's going to be a lottery pick. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to be really legit, um, which you did call. I think you had, mm-hmm. you were a little bit higher on Justin than a lot of other people were. Um, but I think that we saw in that tournament, we were trying to go for the, you know, ESPN Sports Center block on every single play. I feel like the centers have like still have the aggressive mentality of get a block, but it's like, actually play basketball because you don't block somebody on every single possession. Like, I don't care if you're Shaq. Like, he didn't do – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, that, they're playing I, a little I, bit smarter now. I will say, man, JT Thor plays like Wilt Chamberlain before goaltending was invented. <laughs> like, he sees the ball and he blocks it. He doesn't care if it's going down. Like, I don't think I've seen an Auburn center get more goaltending penalties in an entire season than JT has gotten in the first five games of the season. We get more goaltends than I've ever seen. I mean, we yeah. goaltend the heck out of teams. And it's not even on the end ones all the time, but a lot of times it is. Like, I feel like Almost every and one somebody has, it's us goaltending. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you got to love uh, Dylan Cardwell. Shout out to my boy for coming on the the uh, Instagram live. Um, he is a wild man. He, <laughs> he is. is. Literally crazy. Um, he's getting a little bit smarter basketball-wise. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be really good next year. Um, but he's fun to watch. He's fun to watch get hype over his teammates. 
Exactly. And the, the thing that I love about him is that when he goes absolutely insane, it's not just because he got a big dunk or a big block. Like Alan Flanagan got, you know, a contact and one. And Dylan is literally screaming at the top of his lungs. And Alan just, you know, flexes and all that. But it's like, it's fun to watch him get so excited for his teammates. And I just can't wait for the jungle to be full when he's going wild. And it's just going to fuel the energy in that building so much. I'm really excited about that. He is the guy you love to have on your team. And if he's on the other team, he just pisses you off. So. He is so annoying. He'd be so annoying to play. <laughs> yes. And like, he is going to be the guy that they literally, like, every student section is going to go after and like chant at and all the. I mean, but hey, better him than somebody else who yeah, exactly. might be making an impact. But, yeah, so that's kind of – this year in basketball is definitely a little weirder, and you definitely have, like, a different scope, like, while watching it. It's more like you're not thinking of, oh, well, this team, if they're playing like this right now, they're going to get destroyed in March. They're going to get destroyed when you play the good teams. I feel like it's just like you're just watching Auburn basketball, having a good time, and just watching them. So, yeah, it's definitely I been a little different. Four and two, we're probably going to finish six and two. We play Troy and Happy State. Um I would be happy with six and two coming out of the uh, non-conference schedule. Well, especially when think... only one of those losses is like to Gonzaga. a bad loss. Like one of yep. them's against Gonzaga. Like, okay, you lost the number one team in the country. Like, no, nobody cares. Like that. that yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a loss that doesn't even like. Even if it was a regular season and we were eligible for the postseason, I wouldn't be mad about that loss because if. March Madness is looking like if the selection committee looks at a loss like that, they're like, okay, that's a that's about as good as a loss as you can possibly get. No, uh, it is, yeah. Um, and then the UCF game, um, I think the defense was still learning. They were still going for the big blocks, and I think with five minutes left in the half, we were shooting six percent. Um, that's not going to happen a lot. I don't no. care. Like you can't have that many college basketball players shoot six percent, like probably more than once a year. Um, so I don't expect that to happen again. So I expect us to probably finish about 500 in SEC play um, after seeing the team play. I think we'll beat Baylor in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Um, I The thing that I'm really interested to see is how much crowd – we know that crowds affect basketball games way more than football games. Mm-hmm. Um and to see if this Auburn team can play better on the road when they don't have these huge crowds, you know, going against them. Because traditionally in Bruce's time at Auburn, um, and really, I mean, everybody other than Kentucky, winning on the road in the SEC is tough, very, very challenging. Um, so I'm intrigued to see how the road games for both Auburn and when Auburn's at home, seeing how that's different this year, not having, you know, full capacity. Well, yeah, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, we go into UCF and we shoot 6%. We come back to Auburn Arena and it's just like we can hit anything. And it's just like – it's kind of – you know, it's just weird, but it's just like what is it about – because it's – with this kind of a game, it's not like, oh, well, you have, you know, 5,000 people all screaming at you when you're trying to shoot. It's just like even in an empty gym, like – they're still missing on the road. So I don't know. That That is a little interesting thing, and I do think it'll be interesting to see. I feel like you'll see more people stealing games that they wouldn't have won if there were fans there. Yes. Like, I mean, we've already kind of seen that. Like, Georgia Tech went into Rupp and won by 15. Yeah. Like, 
the, Georgia Tech's uh, not better than Kentucky, and I don't think that happens if there are fans in Rupp. So it's just kind of a something that'll be interesting to watch, but this will kind of be a little bit of a strange year with college basketball just like it was for college football. But it is what it is. Hopefully next year we'll be all back and, you know, we can fill up the stadiums and the arenas and all that. But I think that's kind of everything that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we've kind of given, you know, a rundown on – the football program, coaching search, basketball. Now all that's really left to do is just kind of sit and wait, still speculate about who we're going to hire and all that. But I'm hoping we'll kind of know who the, who the guy is fairly soon. And if it's, if it's Kevin Steele, we might not make another pod solely about that because we talked about Steele a lot. But if it's a, if it's a uh, kind of a further out hire, like a, a Billy Napier or something like that, we'll probably have a, another pod just to kind of talk about him but that's kind of what we're thinking where we're at so thank you guys for all of the dms and all the listens on the podcast we appreciate that and we will see y'all next time war eagle war eagle